to the Big Esports Podcast. This is episode number 37. In this episode, I've got a bunch of the figureheads of different universities here in Australia. We've got Queensland University's Technologies, Nick. We've got Tim from the UKU and also Andrew from Murdoch. We talk a lot today really about uh, development of professional players and such. There's a major focus here in Australia with uh, universities opening up facilities and um, playing live out of venues and, and training to become the next professional player. But we also turn the conversation around a bit and talk about statistics, the lack of, um, whether esports really is a net positive at the unis, uh, further than anecdotal evidence, and also about degrees and if that's something that might be coming up in the future. Once again, this is another podcast that's recorded live at IEM, Intel Extreme Masters Sydney, New Kudos Bank Arena. It's part of a series we're recording here today with local and international guests, and we have some fantastic discussions over this weekend. So thanks for listening in, and quick word from our sponsors before we jump straight into the podcast. Hey, this is Chris from Big Esports. I'd like to thank you all for listening to us and being involved in the big community. If you're enjoying the podcast content, then please give us a rate, review, or subscribe on whichever platform you're listening to right now. If you want to see more of us, you can head to our website, bigesports.gg, or you can get in contact with us across social media on all platforms at bigesports underscore gg. Once again, thanks so much for being here. Thank you for sending in your suggestions and your questions, and enjoy the episode. Guys, I am Sydney 2019. It's uh, fantastic to have all the universities in one place, down from Queensland and also all the way over from WA. So why don't we just kick it off with, with you, Nick, from QUT, mate. Can you introduce a bit about yourself, some of your history in esports and what you're working on at the moment? Sure. So um, at the moment, uh, I'm the coordinator of QUT Esports. Um, we're, um, we're into our second year of being part of the university in, in a proper sense, where um, we're, we're treated as part of the sport program at QUT, which is really exciting for just the ability to work with the university in in um, in, a, in a more closely um, in, a, in a more closely good partnership where we're not where we're, we're given all the benefits of being yeah a department of the university that that um, can pull funding from wherever um, is needed in the university for whatever project we're trying to work on, and that's something we can touch on later when we talk about funding, but. Um, yeah, so uh, I, w- I work with um, Jacob Argent, who um, coordinates the program with me at the moment, and um, we've been doing that since the start of this year. And um, my journey in esports is I've played games since forever. Um, always wanted to, well, I'm, I'm sure as, as a lot of people, um, always wanted to become a professional gamer when I was growing up. Yeah. But then um, obviously not being good uh, killed that dream. And so now I've uh, been in esports for uh, I'd say three years and um, two years in uh, at QT Esports um, coming up in a in in oh just gone sorry so probably two years in one month. Yeah, fantastic. So we've also got Andrew from from Murdoch mate all the way over from from uh, Perth WA. Let us know a bit about yourself. Yeah, so I'm I'm Andrew Amos. I uh, was the founder of Murdoch Esports. We started up the club in March of 2017, um, opened up out of the Murdoch University Student Guild. Um, At the current moment, we have over 400 members, over which 100 plus are paying members. Um, I was the president of the club up until mid last year. I've now taken back and taken more of an advisory role. Um, I currently work in esports as an esports journalist for um, a few publications around the place, Dot Esports in America, as well as Snowball Esports in Australia. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, my journey in esports pretty much kind of started with Murdoch Esports. I always played games in high school growing up, massive League of Legends fan and have been for years. But 
my pathway to esports has opened up by starting the club. I just saw there was no esports club on campus and being a 16-year-old student wanting to get involved in the university life, I just started up one. And it kind of just went from there. Um, I've represented Murdoch at three uh, Oceanic University Championships, which is the ride endorsed tournament. Um, and I just bloody love gaming, mate. That's, that's pretty much it. Yeah, fantastic. And then the third, third and uh, last person joining us here today is Tim from UQ down from Queensland. Mate, let us know about yourself. How's it going, Chris? Thanks for having me on the show. No um, yeah, so UQ Esports started up uh, early 2019. Um, a lot of planning and preparation went into place. Um, and then in July last year, we opened up the Esports Training Centre and the program. Um, and basically it was, it was to activate campus a lot more. So you saw a lot of students coming for class, they drive in, they go to class, they go home. Um, so the student union saw a great opportunity. We had an empty space. Um, we applied for grant funding, got it. And yeah, now we're 400, 400 members strong, but they're semester one members, so hopefully they all sign up for semester two. Mm. Um, fingers crossed. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, no problem. So I guess the, the first question for, for anyone to really take from this is I want to know what's the what's the tipping point that goes from it just being a fun activity that people are doing together um, you know there's utmost or there's, there's an umpteenth amount of university clubs like I was in a volleyball club where we just get a little bit of funding we have a bit of fun maybe we can buy a few beers with the money that the uni gives us every now and then how do you go from that into having a fully fledged esports facility you know in QUT's case you've got scholarships you've got you know live venues you've got OCS spots which are you know a franchise style thing we have to buy into them as well so what's the what's the tipping point between those two things what's the differentiation internally I think um, it turns when the university itself realizes that this is engaging a lot more people on campus um than uh than any than a lot of your traditional sporting clubs and any of your social clubs as well um so it was a it has been essentially a problem to university of having students playing video games in the 24-hour labs um students always always talking about how um how they they can't get they can't get PCs in the in the in these labs because there's there's ten guys playing League of Legends yeah, and okay. so that was the sort of the original goal of the uh, QUT Esports Club when it was a when it was started as a club yeah. um, it was to have a space on campus that would provide a home for these students that um, previously had nowhere to go and felt like they were essentially um, like shunned by the by the rest of the university and the rest okay. of the student body, and so then when we brought um, a lot of those students together and we we put we put forward, this is actually how many students are being engaged on campus um, because and I'm not I'm not exactly sure in UQ or Murdoch's case, but QUT was a very um, was a very empty university. There was not there's not much student engagement on campus. Um, okay. Everyone would would watch lectures online they wouldn't they would they would come if they were coming into campus they would be there for their classes and leave straight away and this was uh a, a point that the university wanted to uh sh- wanted to have something back on campus to keep students engaged keep and and, and as bad as it sounds to keep using the commercial services on on campus keep mm. keep spending their time here and because that, that's where the university then gets its metrics from saying this is this is our engagement ratios, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Um, and so that's, that's essentially, yeah, it, it's, it's gathering those numbers, showing how many people actually engage in esports on campus and then saying to the university, hey, this is a large percentage of your uh, student base. Can we, can we help them out? 
can, what, what can we do for them? Yeah, it's really, it sounds like you're turning a problem into a solution, yep. really. The problem of, same as when I was in high school, you know, taking up all the PCs to, to play video games all yep. the time in the computer labs and the 3D CAD labs because they're the only ones that have graphics cards, you yep. know, to be able to handle Halo or whatever you're playing at the time. And then, yeah, really turning into a solution. So for that then, my next question is, is this an external marketing activity for QUT? Is it an internal marketing activity or is it a little bit of both? Because at the moment it sounds rather internal to yeah, students um, on campus. I would say, yeah, from a university perspective, um, it's internal. It's all about the students on campus, what we can provide for them uh, and making sure they're engaged. But um, the students themselves, they're... The, the esports market sits at a place where, like, you, you if you don't have sponsors on your name, it's it you, you're so, your your name sort of doesn't carry any any weight. Like, if you have yeah. an, if you have an Intel name on your brand, it's like, oh, they must be they must be really big because Intel supporting them or or like um, any any international brand essentially. Mm-hmm. And so for 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 students, it's a, it's a lot of exercises about getting them exposure to the rest of the the rest of the industry, um, and but and then. It's it's almost a, a conflict in the sense of um, the students want it to be an external um, marketing opportunity for themselves and for what they're doing because they want the wider industry to see what they're doing on campus. Yeah. But um, the university's main focus is what is actually occurring on campus. Um, and while we do market outside through news outlets, media posts, um, it's that's not the main focus for us. Yeah, fantastic. What about for you, Tim? Is the UQ take the same? Yeah, I mean, it's it's sort of a strategy from the student union to knock on every door. So the university is divided up into different um, bureaucratic sectors. So you got um, departments that are focused on current students, so that's student services. Um, you have departments that are focused solely on external engagement and future students. So once we uh, used all of the current student money, um, we started knocking on other doors um, and opening up other opportunities. So, for example, once we had spent tons of money um, on engaging current students, we wanted to expand the program more. Um, and this high school program um, opportunity came up from Right Games, um, and we applied for a large grant, and we got it um, because it aligned with the current university values. Um, the University of Queensland is going through some huge changes at the moment. Um, they want to move away from being this prestigious sandstone university um, more towards come to UQ. We're a cutting edge um, university. We're a GO8. Um, we have the best facilities. Um, we have the best student experience. Um, and part of that um, is, is this new esports. And it's fascinating um, for anyone that you talk to, any administrators. So, um, and, and yeah, I, I guess your first question was um, differentiating between like a fun video game club and like. Um, proper esports program uh, department it's you, you take when you become a coordinator you take in a role of education um, these higher bureaucrats have no idea about esports and they, they consult their kids right and so um, you take upon yourself an educational role and you roll into meetings and you take it quite seriously you say hey how can we help you how can we align ourselves with with your values um, and, and work together to to um, use funding to improve campus um, and to improve um, your KPIs, right? It's KPIs game. So, um, yeah, expansion um, for both current students um, and future students. Um, I'm not sure what next uh, department will, will knock on the door for next, but I'm sure there's another one. Yeah, it's, it's like expanding on some of what you said, especially with the KPIs game. It's the same as the discussion that we had in one of the last podcasts with, with Dave Harris about investment, uh, about understanding 
what the person sitting on the other side of the table wants. And it's a discussion we've had since the dawn of time on this podcast talking about sponsors and how to sell to sponsors. It's just understanding what they want and how to fulfill what they need. That if you're reaching out to the to the local Corsair rep, um, you know, you want to have a good marketing plan based around Australian activity, based around sales opportunities that can happen in Australia and understanding who that person reports to, whether a US or whether a Taiwanese company, understanding what their KPIs likely are internally. You know, traditionally a lot of a lot of the Taiwanese companies like Logo Share and, and Exposure where the US people might like direct sales or, or different possibilities of, you know, tying in separate companies within that as well. So what about for what about for Murdoch Uni as well, if you want to tackle those two questions? Well, um, for internal versus external marketing, um, when we started up the club, I had a very heavy focus on external marketing. I didn't want Murdoch Esports to just be a, a university gaming club. I wanted it to be a rec- like a recognisable organisation in Australian esports, like generally. Mm-hmm. Like I wanted, the end goal was being able to field a talent pathway where we could field competitive teams and then these teams would be able to compete in a university environment and be competitive in the university environment. Um, that competitive focus was too far. Like, at the end of the day, we are still just a guild club. Mm-hmm. And we still are just a guild club now, even if we are getting slowly affiliated with our sports department. And so with that, we need to be tailing towards the casual community at the university as well. And I know there's 20,000 students on campus. Mm-hmm. You know, we engage a fair chunk of that, but not all of them want to play esports competitively they just want to hang out with their mates so we went okay we need to tackle this more internally we need to show ourselves as we are for murdoch we want to help the students get through university because for a lot of gamers as well it's hard you know a lot of them they do just come onto campus and then they go home and they play games at home why don't we just make friendships on campus make relationships on campus they'll stay on campus for longer university likes that even if we take over five rooms on the bottom floor of the student hub you know that's just what we do and the university loves it because people are using their new facilities that we just built last year um and so the tipping point for us when we were like we're just a video gaming club to we need to take this more seriously like a business is when we started having 70, 80, 100 people coming to the LAN parties that we hold every year or mm-hmm. every semester. And it was like, this is appealing to the casual player base and we've now tapped into the both the casual and competitive. We need to grow this in both fronts because some people will want to play competitive, some people will want to just be gamers. But at the end of the day, we all have the same common interest. We all like playing video games. So it's kind of a mixed strategy of we have to show ourselves that we want to be competitive on the Australian University stage Mm -hmm. when we have these competitive teams and competitive avenues that we can send players down. But also we want to share the the interests of the university and Murdoch students internally by engaging them and making them stay on campus for longer. Yeah, so it seems to be a pretty common theme amongst all three of you. My question is, are you fighting against the Australian culture as far as universities go? If you look in the US... Um, university students feel very strongly aligned with the university. They're wearing jerseys, they're fighting for scholarships and such. If you take anecdotal evidence from myself studying, you know, when I, when I had a student studying social work at university, I didn't really feel attached to my uni at all. I'd turn up to do the live um, lectures and, and the tutes and stuff, but I wouldn't really associate myself and my identity with the university. So, you know, you, you're talking a lot about that from all three of you, about how people turn up to uni, go home, and this is a strategy to get people to stay around. So, yeah, are you fighting against that common culture? Um, yeah, definitely at uh, QUT. I, I f- I'm not sure about the, the, the general sporting culture at Murdoch, but UQ definitely has a very strong traditional sporting culture. And um, so that it, it's, a, it's essentially a no-brainer for, for these guys that um, UQ has um, like in, insane sporting facilities. Why can't there be 
the um why can't they be the, the pride to represent uq mm. um for qt we don't uh the the sport program is a lot smaller we don't we we have like one sporting field on 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 across both campuses um so we're we're almost trying to create that that university pride um so it does okay. go against the current way that uq sees uh, sorry uh, qtc sport and that will change um as as more and more students represent us in comp- in competition and want to wear that yeah QT logo showing showing that yeah this this is this is a this is a place where I feel be- that I belong um, but um, yeah so I, I feel that we have a we, we're very different to the to the um, American universities and it's probably has hindered us it's it's probably slowed our our growth and in, in in like that representative space um, but. No, we're, we're we're slowly building up to it, and, and that, that the AL is good for that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I totally get what you're saying, Nick. Um, I guess UQ it's different because UQ Sport, UQ, and the UQ Union are three different entities, and they all apply for funding separately. So mm-hmm. um, there's no like one culture strategy. It's actually like they're fighting against each other okay. um, to get funding through the student services and amenities fee, um, which we should probably talk about later. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. It, for us, it wasn't really important to say, is this a sport? Is this a, or is it, or is it not? Or is this an e-gamer thing? Like for us, we were just like, let's just go. Like there are tournaments we can enter. Um, there, there are um, students that are interested. Let's just do it. And then we had conversations with, with UQ Sport. Um, did we want to integrate with them? Probably not because like, A, they weren't interested. They weren't educated. Um, and they didn't want to give us lots of funding. Um, whereas... Um, uh, the student union did. They saw a lot of value in it. So um, we're, we're slowly getting there. Obviously, um, UQ Sport owns um, the right to participate in uni sport, which used to be called uni games. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, we work with them um, to facilitate training and uh, tryouts um, and practice um, so that we can represent UQ Sport um, in those competitions. Um, but yeah, I, I think uh, fighting traditional culture, I, I don't really care about it. I'm just focusing on what we're doing. Yeah, um, I don't think it's a big issue right now. Yeah. yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I get a lot of a lot of themes from, I guess, yourself particularly, and, and others in the university space. Of um, yeah, there's a story I like to tell of of someone I really like called Ethan from Technology and Gaming, and the reason that he is so successful is because he just asks, and a lot of the time that's all you have to do. And, and you know, some people that ask me, you know, how do I break in the industry? I can't seem to get any contacts. It said literally just send someone a message and ask <laughs> if you can talk to them, and you would be surprised. They usually say yes. Usually it's in your head and. This is what Ethan's really good at. He'll just go up to a brand and say, hey, you've got a game coming out. I'd like to make a computer for it. Can you pay me? And they go, yes. And he goes, cool. And then he goes to the next booth and does it. And it just seems to work a lot of the time. And, you know, don't ask, don't tell kind of thing happens too. So, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, if you can just become involved and, and jump into it, fantastic. So I want to jump in um, to start talking about a bit more of the business behind it. So funding and avenues and such. So obviously in this podcast a lot, we talk to people that are raising capital, not so much applicable to university, got plenty of students and plenty of money. Um, so what, what's the funding for you guys? How does it come about? You know, obviously Tim, you've talked about there's kind of three different avenues for funding that you seeked out as well. Does that make your life easier? Does that make your life harder? Uh, see, yeah. So at the start it was harder, right? Because we had no, we had to build up media kits. We had to build up, um, stats and whatnot and build up a a pitch and a case. Once we got down that, 
once we that got that down pat, um, it became a lot easier because you do the pitch over and over and over again. We all know the pitch, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, it became easier from that standpoint. But yeah, I guess um, I should probably explain what the student services and menus fee is. It's a fee that every student pays um, per semester. It's like 180 bucks, and it goes into a pool. The university takes that and then uh, divvies that out to people that apply for it. Um, and it's usually things that will improve campus or the student experience. So for UQ, we have 50,000 students. So it's a pool of about $20 million. Um, so it obviously differs from different universities. Um, but we applied um, through, that, through that avenue. And then, um, yeah, external engagement is a different thing. Um, if there is enough money going around um, and you have a good pitch to advertise the university, then they'll get around it. Mm. Um, so that was, yeah, our approach. And is it a is it a numbers game for you guys as well? Like if you've got a if you've got that solid pool sitting there of, of ten to twenty million dollars, and you've got fifty thousand students, are they asking you? You know, have you got one, two, three, four percent of students interested in this to be able to get the funding? Absolutely. And a big hurdle um, in our case was so how many females are you engaging? And it's not a lot. Um, from the student union's perspective, it was a little easier because the student union loves fun new things, mm-hmm. um, and esports was this next big fun new thing. Um, so the diversity between male and female engagement was sort of overlooked. Um, but definitely um, further down the track, when we're applying for more funding, it's it's something that um, they look at because the University of Queensland, in particular, um, wants to engage um they, they have a ratio they have a they have a number so it's about 60 percent females they want to have at university and 40 percent males mm. that's what they're targeting for so um yeah we definitely have to make that transition um and accommodate more for um females in the space um i think we do a pretty good job so far but i think there's still a lot of work um to go um and to make the whole program extremely inclusive of both genders mm, yes yeah, so what about for murdoch well uh, for murdoch like following up on that student engagement like murdoch's balance is actually like it's not 50-50, but it's closer to like 60-40, maybe 65-35 between men and women engagement. And that was something that quite struck me when I started up and we were starting to get members. There was a lot of females wanting to get involved in the club, want to be, you know, helping out wherever they can. And it was really interesting because I just thought, oh, yeah, it's just become like a boys' club like every other bloody gaming club I've been a part of in the past. Mm-hmm. But the, that engagement was really interesting. And then for us, we've only... For our funding, we've only we're just a guild affiliated club. We've only got that small pool that the guild sets aside for clubs, but we haven't tapped into that pool for almost eighteen months. We've become almost like a self sustaining club. That was kind of my goal at the end of the day. First off, was let's just stay out of the guild's way. Let's just make it so that we can fund all of our events ourselves. Just use the university as a way of getting rooms and mm-hmm. room hire and possibly a little bit of promotion. So we haven't tapped into that $50,000 or $60,000 the guild sets aside for one and a half years. Um, we get our paying memberships through. We get a bit of sponsorship through through various companies that decide that this is an event they want to be a part of and we've contacted them and they've gone, yes, we'll provide you X, Y, Z. And that kind of thing has really helped us just get the club kicking along. And now we've got Murdoch Sports going, this is a great venture. We've been knocking on their door for almost two, two years and they've gone, all right, this is actually something we think we can tackle now. And they're looking at getting, you know, five-figure funding, six-figure funding to get a space open on campus, mm. which will be just the ultimately the next step for us. And that will be what we'll be able to push on campus in the future. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and then obviously with, with Unique, with QUT, like I think a lot of your journey is quite well documented and, you know, you're definitely a leader 
you're in this space as far as the uni stuff goes. I'd love to learn more from you about your external sponsorship and funding opportunities that have been afforded to you. You know, QUT seems to have some great partnerships with external companies and you don't have to rely so much on internal funding from the uni these days. Yeah, so um, we're... Because we, we aren't tied to the student union on campus, um, we, don't, we don't have access to um, any of these large funding rounds. But at the same time, we, we don't have to rely on them either because we are, uh, we, we are integrated with the sports department. We, we, are, we are budgeted each year with it without, having, without having to apply for any, any, extra, any extra cash flow. But um, our... Uh, if if we want to go on another on another project, it's it's um it, it is a longer process because we have to um we have to essentially set it in 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 the next financial year's budget that we want to, we want to come through and say yeah. hey this is something that we want to add to the sport department the sport department already has x amount of um money assigned to it in in, it, in its in its annual budget through the division of administrative services mm. and so that it's it's a lot it's a lot slower process for us in that sense but we essentially are we're we're, we're never going to lose that either um <clears throat> because now that the university's added us on we we are, we are set there with with uh, essentially a minimum operating standard that we will we will hit every year for and, and <clears throat> until you until qt um uh, crumbles into, into dust essentially but um yeah so we we're, we're a lot more focused on the on on setting just the exact foundation of what the university and the students see as a um as what esports that they want esports to be on campus and then and then we're just going to keep building that slowly year after year um but um and i think i think where where it might um seem as a as a bit of inaction where we're not we're not essentially exploding on exploding saying this is this is a big new project every every three months we're just going to um make sure that the students here are 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 being are being engaged where the university feels it is super important sorry um um as as for external opportunities um yeah so the the science and engineering Science and engineering faculty is obviously very um, very engaged as as engineering is one of the biggest marketing sales for QT in general, and so that, that that's big partnerships with with companies like Boeing um, and any and any and, and Hatch, which is a big uh, engineering firm in the city. Um, so our 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 entire purpose from from the get go is to yeah, provide pathways into industry. So we want to we want to work with um, with any with any any company that sits in this sort of tech slash um entertainment sector um and then and then and then work with any companies to get students opportunities there um we we have we have never had any um sponsorships for our program and that probably won't change for for a while um just because we because of the internal marketing strategy that essentially that we we talked about earlier we um we're, yeah, we're focusing on what we're providing for students on campus, and if the university can't provide that now, um, then we work to provide it next year because we want to be able to provide that for however many years going forward, rather than every year reevaluating whether we can we can afford to um, upkeep twenty p twenty seven PCs or however many we'll have in in X number of years because sponsorships might come and go, they might they might fold after two years, yeah, and if if we set if we can afford it and set it in stone now, um, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be like it's gonna be there for forever. 
Yeah, and you don't want to be stuck in the same issue that uh, you know a lot of the global esports teams are having right now, right? Where you're reliant, you know, ninety nine percent, or you know, if you look at the pie charts, generally it's about eighty, eighty to five percent on sponsorship for the money to come through. Yeah. And especially in Australia, you know, funding for marketing is always the first thing to get cut when a company's going through a hard time. Yeah, um, yeah, and it can be an issue. Do you monetize your members as well? Yeah, so at the moment, um, it's it's a flat rate for a six month membership to be part of the part of the uh, program that that gives you. Um, access to um, anything that we do on campus, um, be it social events, um, internally run tournaments, um, opportunities that pop up like like this weekend um, to to come and volunteer or work for ESL, and then mm-hmm. and then on top of that, um, at the moment, um, the to use our space um, on campus if if you're if you're during a set period of operating hours it's a couple of dollars per hour to you it's a, it's an internet cafe model yeah. um whether that's successful or not we'll, we'll see very soon um this is our second year of running that the first year halfway through we got we got chopped into a new room so we don't really have we can't really um we, we can't really say that it was successful last year um because it was only open for four months towards the end of last year our, our new space where we could say this is worth charging for yeah. um, so at the end of this year we'll see how much money we've made out of that, if we've made any at all. Yeah. Um, Which and looks amazing, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah the, 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 the QT media photos have, um, have really helped us in that sense. And that, that is the piece of external marketing that will drive students to QT, hopefully. And that's, that's, mm. that's where the, then QT itself sees their value. But that's, um, um, I think I lost my train of thought there. But um, yeah, so... And do you yeah. do you see an issue of this becoming? It sounds very political. A lot of the fact where they're paying yeah. for membership over a period of time, yeah. like you pay tax to the government, yeah. you're affording them possibilities of of things that you come up with, and you decide the best way to you know transfer their wealth, yeah. or their money that they're providing around. How do you how do you avoid this becoming too politicised? Yeah. So essentially, um, I get told what to do by our members. Um, it the we have a, we have a pool of what we call community managers. They are. They they are they are attached to either a game or a genre depending on how big the genre is. Okay. So um, there is a there is an RTS there is there isn't a StarCraft community manager. There's an RTS guy that that helps yep. do that. But League of Legends has their own one because so be it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so based on the, the community will feed all that information about hey why don't we do this um, this this would be a this would be a really cool engagement tool by. Um, by by running a, a barbecue followed by a, a land a land um, on campus into into the night mm-hmm. that just um, activities like that that pop up through the students wanting to do that where it's 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 my it's my job to facilitate that to happen mm-hmm. I um apart from maybe some of the the broader strokes of of um, the the program. Um, wanting to move into a new area of esports, um, I, I, I haven't dictated what happens in our space for the last six months. It's been we've we've run um, ten social events and six tournaments mm-hmm. internally, just feeding off our own students at the moment, just to keep those uh, those engagement numbers rolling over. And I didn't set a date for any of them. Um, it's it's student it's student led, and um, my my job is to go and talk to the university and say, hey, can we can we help? This student get a lecture hall to run a viewing party. Okay, that's that's the key, that's a key right there. Student led, it's got to be student led. Like especially with esports, like the guys up top have no idea. Um, so yeah, you, 
a lot of a lot of listening to the community, especially the esports community, because if you do something that's not aligned with the community, you're gonna get backlash. Um, it's not gonna be a good program. Mm-hmm. Um, and for like listeners out there that want to start up a university um, like esports like program or club, there's and, and want to seek funding from university, there are, there are four main key uh, things to think about. So you know. A student's going to have a good time on campus, right? Mm-hmm. There's a funding pool for that. Are our students become, becoming professional players? Um, are our students getting employability benefits out of this? Mm-hmm. Um, and are we attracting future students? So those are the four main pools of funding that you've got to go seek for. Um, and then once you hit all those, and you've got a fully-fledged esports program. Um, so yeah, just aligning yourself with those, with those goals um, is super important. And what's the what's the process of setting up a, an esports coordinator or someone like yourself at the helm for your uni? Because obviously, it's you know to phrase this question, um, the issue that people always come with: if you're establishing something new like what you're doing right now, let's say that you're establishing an esports body or, or a kind of authoritative organisation, it's always hard for someone to say, "Okay, I'm going to be the boss," and also I'm going to appoint myself as the boss. So, what's the what's the fail safes there for you to ensure that you know the community is happy with who's at the helm? Yeah, absolutely. So, I guess um, my my process was a little different to most. So, I guess the esports project there was never really an esports club at University of Queensland before. There were video game clubs and they hang out all the time, um, but there was no esports club. So, it was um, I was the first person to enter the space. I kind of planted the flag uh, with my colleague Zach. Um, and then we just worked our ass off, if I'm being honest. We worked in the student union for nine months, completely volunteer work, day and night, um, deferred our studies. Um, and I think you just got to earn respect from the students. Um, we did a lot of meeting students, learning their names, asking them, consulting them. And so um, naturally we became um, leaders in the space. Um, and so, yeah, I'm just earning students' respect, earning um, – the administrators respect um so that when you say you know you're not the one saying you're the coordinator they're the one saying that hey this guy's in charge mm-hmm. um that's super important for us um and, and and that led to you know opening the program and then uh, finally zach and myself um uh got offered jobs which is great so um i mean i, I shouldn't say offered jobs there was an application process so it was an open application process anyone could apply to be the esports coordinator at uq and and, and zach and myself um both got the the job so um yeah really lucky to work with that guy um we work uh, long and hard and yeah just um keep earning respect from from students yeah and so looking at murdoch you know sitting more in the in the guild and the you know community and club aspect how does that work internally well like for us we have like three different tiers like we've got the committee like the execs who like work together they're the head of the club that make all the decisions and we've got the subcommittee mm-hmm. who, which is like our touch base between these guys kind of handle community complaints or like community suggestions there's always mm-hmm. feedback that we receive and those subcommittee members usually help with dealing with that they're the voice in the committee meetings when we're sorting out things there's also the jams and that's where the community can obviously say what they want to say directly to the exec mm-hmm. um as with like earning respect with tim i've got basically the exact same journey i kind of just started it up with kyle who's now the current president of murdoch esports and it was like we just worked so hard. Like, I think there was a time where I just deferred to only do one course. Like, I dropped down to one unit a semester. I was just doing, putting 50, 60-hour weeks into the club to make sure that we had this strong base on campus that we could grow. Mm. Like, you can always grow 
but there's always a certain extent that you can reach. You've got to actually build out that foundation where you want to be able to tap into sport, tap into guild, tap into administration, be able to get that respect from the university to say, we aren't going to trash your rooms when we get them. We're not that kind of club. We're not going to, you know, run a mark around campus. We want to run respectful events. We want to respect the university. We want to uphold the university values. We want to engage students. And we want to make sure that students are staying on your campus. Mm-hmm. I think that earning that respect is a big thing. And I'll just add, like, if you're trying to get into the esports industry and you're putting 60 hours a week in and you're not making that sacrifice, like, it is a sacrifice. Like, mm-hmm. you don't hang out with your friends on the weekends. You don't have a social life. It's a sacrifice. If you can't do that for, for nine, 12 months, then, then I would advise not to do it. Yeah. And there's also, it's not just 50, 60 hours a week of administration as well. Like there was a point in the club where I was doing web design, I was doing graphics design, making sure that we could send out promotional material because we don't have people in house who can do that. We don't have the money to employ people to say, we want you to make this graphic. We all have to do it with the resources that we have available. You know, Mm. I have got very limited graphic design experience. Like, you know, maybe dabbled in Photoshop while I was in high school. I mean, I am a journalism student, so I do have like experience with like Photoshop and Premiere and that. So I can do some basic video editing and stuff, but we, all the promotion material that we create, we have to create internally. Mm -hmm. And that opportunity, we do open it up to students within the club. Like that adds to like their resume where they can say like, oh yeah, I've been helping Nordic Esports, this guild club. I've been making promotion material. Here's a video that I've made. Mm. You know, we were promoting the Uni Rumble, for example. And like one of the students came along and got video interviews of all the players in our jerseys. And that kind of thing is a really big aspect of the club, but that all comes to everyone else putting in their time. And it's not just you rock up on the day you run a tournament. It is a full, you dedicate your entire life to it. Yeah, I'll tell you what, I've become pretty good at using paint. Over this time, yeah. funnily enough, and I I designed the uh, I designed the whole big esports website in paint. Oh, to be completely yeah. honest, oh my God. Mate, a bit of advice: Canva is great. You guys know Canva? Yeah. These trying to start up. What about GIMP? I don't know, man. I'm all, I'm all about Canva, but Zach will have you for saying that. And um, so something um, you mentioned about having the 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 students with whatever knowledge they have previously jumping in and doing what they can. Um, that's that's a pretty um, important part of what what we're um, standing for as well like um, we, we are very fortunate to have that support of the university and we can tap into the media department but we're all, we're unless it's a um, a big um, a big press release surrounding something like the OCS um, where we, we rely solely on the students to um, with with whatever experience through their degrees or in their personal lives to mm. to help um, keep that identity of this is a student led student run um, in endeavor essentially because um i, I and i I'm, I'm not sure whether this will, will seem like we're, we're we're sort of taking it for granted but we have a lot of support from we, we can go into the qt media team and, and 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 get a video made for our space but if it doesn't if it doesn't if we can't say that it was made by a student then that that sort of counters our purpose we yeah we sure. yeah we're, 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 we're we want to be a revolving door of you come to qt one, to, to do a degree um, in whatever you're interested in, but to supplement that with University Plus, which is whatever you, whatever any, you, you join any clubs and, and esports is one of those opportunities to um, get skills in parallel to your degree and then to go out into industry with extra abilities to, 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 to go as far as you possibly can. And so mm. um, 
I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I'm not sure what to call this process at the moment. I don't. It's 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 not it's not an institute, but it's 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 a revolving door of students coming and getting those two or three years or four years or however long their degree is of experience learning from the, 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 the exiting students and if if you're if, if we're sitting there running some of the best events in Australia we're essentially not doing our job because if our students are doing it for us we haven't done our job by linking them into industry and getting a job in industry we mm. every every two or three years once we've we've, we've hit a cycle of students we're going to go back to ground ground zero uh, like scratch and start yeah. again with those students who have no idea what esports is and build them up to levels where they can then get a a job in the industry and be respected because they came through QUT Esports and that has had a history of, pro- of providing any any number of industry partners, employees for the last X number of years. How do you how do you find the the uptake from the students? I mean, it's a it's an age old thing of you know tier two teams coming to me a lot and saying I can't get my team to mm-hmm. do X or Y, and it boils down to the fact that if you're not paying someone to do something, yep. it's hard to you know tell them to you know what and, they can and can't and, do. and that and that's sort of why. Um, that's sort of my job um, is to tell students, is to open up opportunities for these students and tell them this is this is what you can do. Well, and I don't even want to tell them what they can do. It, it's up to them what they can do. It's it's their passion and their drive that makes it happen. I'm the I'm I'm facilitating them to to um, to achieve that. And if and if they if they wane in motivation, it's it's my job to get them back on track and say, hey, like look, th- these are a couple of things that you can do to improve what your improve your event and then um see and then explaining like why why they're here what what their end goal is where they they where they can go by 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 having this experience and put them right back on track and then keep pushing forward because yeah you can't expect if if they're a volunteer there's no can't expect you can't you can't expect a product at the end you can you can work with them and hope that it'll it'll come through and we want to create that culture of it, it is an expectation that if you if you say you can do something for QT Sports, you're going to follow through. But if they're not getting paid, as you said, um, we can't we can't punish them if if that's if that's a the right way to talk about. Yeah, it. I think you'd I think you'd enjoy the the Jocko Willing podcast and his book on on extreme ownership about yeah. that too. It talks a lot about if you're the boss, ultimately you're responsible. Yeah. And um, you know, it's the, he he's you know comes from a military background. But to summarize it for those people who don't. Uh, who aren't aware of him or, or what he's done, uh, you know, Navy SEAL, etc. But he uses the basic example of my machine gunner shoots in the wrong direction, it's my fault because I mm. didn't properly inform them as to where they should be shooting or I didn't make sure that they were trained properly or I didn't make sure they had enough sleep to be able to understand. And it's, yeah, and especially when you're working with volunteers, ultimately if you're the boss as you are or, or you know, everybody here, you know, and you guys are getting salaried to run this thing as well as a professional, um, you know, professional organisation, you're utilising these volunteers, but it falls back on you in the end that you need to make sure that, okay, maybe this person, you know, has a habit of saying they can do things when they can't or maybe they simply don't have the skills or, you know, it's my fault for putting too much work on them. It's, you know, exams are coming up or things like that too. So, you know, taking ownership of that whole situation instead of just trying to blame the other. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, it comes down to you. Um, it, it, it's on your leadership and your um, navigation of people. And I think the past years, I myself have learned so many skills through the journey. I don't think any one of us have the same journey either. And I think anyone listening to the podcast that wants to start a university esports program, you'll you'll have a completely different path as well. Mm. Um, but so- something that'll be similar is, yeah, you'll learn how to... Um, 
manage people in a very uh you kind of don't realize that you're doing it but you are um and learning how to talk to people learning how to give direction without being a dick can i say dick on this podcast okay without being a dick um and yeah so um i guess at uq with a volunteer program it's about you know the the center itself we we see a lot of regulars coming in um and the forming the family the forming community um and they want to be there um and and it all started out as a volunteer you know based um program so they they get it um and they want to give back to the community because they love it so much um so yeah and, and they're grateful as well so we form partnerships with with companies like esl companies like riot games and we give them opportunities to go interstate mm-hmm. um to use utilize the skills that they've learned in the center or in the esports program at uq um and use them um for their programs and and my goal as of, of late is to say well hey like the australian esports industry it's great but like overseas that's where that's where the big stuff happens, right? So my goals right now is how do we get our students overseas? How do we get them having cool global experiences um, and getting some world-class experience um, with those companies? Yeah, so we've talked a lot about um, throughout this podcast about the development of professional players opening you know, facilities, Oceanic Challenger Series spots and you know, getting people involved in the games. What about the business side of things? You know, There doesn't seem to be so much formal education esports yet in Australia. Obviously, the... I guess the market leader in this space might be Melbourne University, you know, with their master's program for law. They've now got an esports thing that um, that Matt Jessup is facilitating. But, yeah, what's the plans for, for any of these three unis, you know, sitting in front of me today for the formal education process? Are there any? Um, at least at Murdoch, the formal education process, like at least how it's integrated into the university, kind of also comes down to the students. Like I can speak for myself in my journalism classes, you know. I'm a second-year journalism student now. And, like... All I do in class is talk about esports. And so by talking about esports, people in the class learn about esports. And through that, the teacher goes, All right, my tutor goes, Let's go. We can investigate this industry a little bit more. You know, he then becomes onto it. And that kind of education, by educating your own teachers in their classes, helps them understand the space. And then they integrate that into programs. Once they see the interest in those programs, you know, that's when the real education starts. And I think that's what the Unimel thing with Matt Jessup is is like, they saw a space where there's a need for law lawyers in esports like 100% there is and you see like people like Judge and Jessup doing things in the industry and that education is required but for us currently it comes down to the students being able to lead that in their own classes mm-hmm. and um, so we we've um, had, had a lot of thoughts about this and talked to um, a couple of different departments about yeah how can we integrate esports into any given faculty or create, mm-hmm. what would an esports degree look like? But unless, unless at the moment in Australian esports, you, you, if you're, you can't really be a one trick pony. There is, there is, there is not enough. Um, there, there, is, the, the industry isn't big enough for you to just say you're, 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 you're X for the, you're, you're, a, you're, a, you're a vision switcher for, um, for ESL. And while, while they do employ full-time employees to do that, you need to, you need to be able to do a lot of different things in the industry to, to stay afloat. Mm. And so when you're trying to take, take that back to the, the, how the university model sits at the moment, um, if we, we were to introduce a, a, a degree for esports, it would, it would cover four or five different faculties and, and, and having one single degree that sit that you can't have a degree that sits in more than one faculty essentially, mm-hmm. because an engineering degree is in, in the science and engineering faculty, a, yep. a law degree is in the law fa- the law faculty. Yep. Um, 
and so we you want we wanted we want to take all these different aspects from all these different um all these different faculties and and apply them to a student that that um that that that, that can get all these different opportunities outside of their degree because at the moment the way the way the current university model sits it's pretty impossible to 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 slot esports into a into one faculty um the a bit counterintuitively um engineering is probably the 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 least um the the degree that has the least to do with esports um you can you can probably tie any other degree in the university into esports in some fact in in some in some area but engineering but if you're not if you're not a software engineer if if you're if you're if you're a mechanical engineer that doesn't really tie into esports very much and but that is engineering is where we get a large percentage of our students um, so and is that just the association that engineering people are often more on computers yeah, and they're more likely definitely. to enjoy video and, games? And a lot of the kids growing up playing games, being on computers, they see engineering as the top job for wanting to um, – they, they, engineering is the top job for computer and, 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 and nerds essentially. Yeah. Um, yeah, i got a lot of mates doing the same thing. Yeah, yeah. and so if, if we want to have um, someone doing film and TV and being a content creator but they also want to learn how to run, run a business – in the sports industry or they want to or they want to be part of an organization but and then they also want to they also need to know how to market themselves that's you're, you're hitting you're hitting three different you're hitting three different schools of education there mm. um so at the moment where we want we want to focus a lot on um working integrated learning and learning and taking students already studying a degree and give them opportunities in esports and okay. every student has to do 100 hours of work integrated learning in a in an in an industry space to that ties to the degree and okay. we can make an argument for almost any degree to that can tie into esports yeah does that mean then that there needs to be a more frank conversation with the universities and, and these people saying that you you can't do everything in once and i understand mm. a lot of the time that you know, you need to do quite a bit, but a lot of the discussions that I've had here at IEM Sydney with some previous people over the past couple of days has been about, yes, you do need to have a lot of relevant skills in different areas, but also you need to have some specific skill that you come out of the gates with. So, if, you know, my example that I use in that podcast was if someone comes to me and says, I want to work in esports, I my reply to them generally is that's like saying you want to work in cars. You know, do you want to be a race car driver? Do you want to be a mechanic? Or do you want to be an engineer? Or do you want to be a sales agent to sell at your local you know, your local dealer for cars. So does that mean then that, you know, you can start off with something like the the business faculty to teach people about how to set up businesses, how to do some marketing and, and um, you know, education around that fact and then try to expand from there on? Is there, you know, what's the starting point? Where can we start from? I think, um, I think that almost is where the, like the most logical step is. I'm sure you've, you've had many discussions about this. Um, yeah, it, it is. It is finding the the, the space that, that probably does have the most long, long longevity for students because that is again what the university wants. They they want people to learn something at their space, take it into the industry, and say, "I, yeah. I graduated from QT and I learned this, yeah. and this got me this job." Yeah. Um, so the business side of things, um, and I haven't done the I, haven't, I don't know the numbers on this, but um, we probably need yeah need to look at the percentages of where the people in the esports industry are employed. Um, and then that is, that is almost from a university perspective, that is almost where they're going to hit first. They're going to, they're going to look at the biggest percentage and try and hit that. Um, so yeah, the, the business side is probably does employ a, a large percentage. Then there's also, yeah, as, as, as you said, the, the tournament operators, the, the, the players, and I'm sure the players actually forms one of the lowest percentages of, people that are involved in the esports industry yeah 
Um, but yeah, and then you go into film and TV content creation. Yeah, I, I agree and disagree. Um, I, I just also want to mention I love the Bachelor of Cars example. I think that's great. Um, a lot of our members in our program actually just love playing the game and they just come in and they're kind of focused on their Bachelor of Engineering or um, music or business. They don't necessarily want to get into the industry. Um, they just want to have a good time on campus. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's what we kind of focus on. Um, right now, um, yeah, I, I don't I don't have any ideas on, on Bachelor of Esports degrees. I, I think it's very similar to the Bachelor of Cars. But right now, it's all about research. Universities are funded through research grants. Um, so right now, we're seeing a lot of PhD students perk up and say, there's no research on esports. This is great. So Michael and Dylan from QT, they're publishing out um, mm. articles and whatnot and doing their research and doing their PhDs. We've got people from Griffith. And the great thing about esports is you can cra- track a lot of data pretty easily on, on the computers in, in the centers. Yeah. So um, research is where it starts, um, honors projects and things like that, especially in the fields of psychology, mm-hmm. um, particularly the fields of psychology um, and law and business. Mm. Yeah, esports doesn't lend itself well to being a degree. Like, it, there's definitely different specialized fields that, like, one unit of study that you can take in an elective within a unit, uh, an entire three year course of a Bachelor of Journalism, like a, a BA or a BCom, B Law. Like, you know, there's definitely a space for you to take an esports course so you know more about the field like especially at Murdoch you know they have a heavy emphasis especially in the law department of learning different types of law so you do your humanitarian you do your criminal you do all these different types of laws but you only really focus on that for your degree you get a very good like spread of knowledge so esports can definitely lend itself into that for a lot of degrees at Murdoch you know we've got game arts design and you know that ties into the co-op development club that we have on campus where there's you know people coding games all day long and they have a lot of fun and they test these games at places like supernova and you know the esports metal esports taps into that you know we try and collaborate with them and then you know we've got the animation course we've got journalism you know that's where i come from i can speak about that for hours on end because my opportunity in journalism came from the fact that i was the president of Murdoch Esports. That's how I got my name out there. And then because I was studying journalism, I wanted to branch out into the field and that's how I got that. Mm-hmm. So lending itself to one course is hard. Yeah. And- I agree hundred percent. Yeah. I don't, I don't think personally that the best way forward is to make an esports degree because of like what we've talked about. There's too much within esports, but yeah, definitely the, the interest for me is, yeah. Can it be a major? Can it be a minor? Can it be half of a course or a section you know can you specialize in that you know or can it be as hands as quote-unquote hands-off as it's only just part of you know melbourne uni's masters as an as an optional course you know it's definitely not pushed as part of that but if you want to specialize in that section you know i'd love to see you know esports marketing become part of a business course or you know establishing an esports business or helping people understand you know how to make money as an esports business because it's very difficult and very challenging to you know critically analyze all that kind of stuff absolutely and you got to think as well right even if you have the course you need the professors you can't just get and think about the esports industry how many people have like degrees or masters or PhDs, right? And that's usually what they want. They want people with PhDs. So you kind of have to let the research stuff happen for a couple of years, let those people get their degrees and whatnot, and your Michaels and Dylans, and then they'll build the courses. And then it's like, yeah, it's like a minor, it's like a little course, and they're taking that on. That's how it starts. I don't think it goes Bachelor of Esports, 
hear your professors because there are none. Mm. And yeah, so Michael and Dylan are both very focused on the psychology, the the um, the the development of athletes. Or di- so Dylan Dylan's focused on the on the the part the how. Um, how esports athletes are formed and how they how they differ from traditional sporting athletes. Michael's very focused on the community aspect of what what does how do how do esports communities form on campus? Um, who 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 are they? Who are the people in these communities? Mm-hmm. But um, as far as I'm aware, the business side of things has has not has hasn't been started to be researched. Um, so yeah, where if if we do want to yeah create a degree. That needs to be the next focus, like Tim said, because we we can we'll be able to train people to be professional esports athletes in 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 a couple of years because Dylan will have a PhD, um, but we're we're still minimum three years away from having a PhD student in in to teach to, to teach how to start an esports org because the research hasn't been started yet, um, and it doesn't happen until that research finishes, um, but. Yeah, I'm not sure if that would have popped up, um, but yeah. So ho- hopefully, yeah, five years from now, we're gonna we're, we're gonna we're gonna start having every single aspect of university life tie into esports. So yeah, the almost every degree you'll you'll have one, you'll have a unit or you'll have uh, an assignment on esports because it is seen as a valuable um, area to be knowledgeable about. Mm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So. Let's let's talk a little bit more about the studies and statistics and stuff. So we talked a little bit off mic that you know I found a little bit uh, unfortunate that there's not too many studies yet around high school esports around the benefits and it's still anecdotal evidence. What about for you guys as far as university goes? You know, can you can you prove through studies or do you have studies that are currently being conducted that it is a net positive for your students to become involved? Um, short answer is uh, no. Um, we. And until the first essentially set of students graduate, um, because yeah, this is our third year as a of es- of QUT esports existing. Mm-hmm. We're about to hit one year of uh, sorry, one we've hit one year. We're one one year and five months into being part of the university, um, and then once once those students then roll through graduate. We'll see how many how many students that have been have been positively positively in, in um, impacted by um, esports, and then where they end up in 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 whatever industry they do go into. Um, we can we can say how many students we engage on campus, but until they graduate and get jobs, we can't say whether esports was a net positive um, for them. I mean, we don't really for us in our current position don't need to tap into that. Is esports a net positive? for the university as a whole, we're still completely solely invested into our own members while we are still a guild club. Of course, down the line, we would want to like look at going, we want to be able to create pathways and show the university definitively that this is something that you need to be pinpointing as a, as a POI. Like this is going to knock off, get student engagement up. This is going to set you back from Curtin, ECU, UWA in Perth, you know, People come to Murdoch currently to go to vet. We want to make people come to Murdoch so that they can learn about esports. I um and so I, I know I know you, you like the real bonus is those those, those statistics those, that that research into yes you can you can look at a piece of paper and say yes esports is po- is a net positive but mm. um yeah so it that that process yeah has started so right now we have um we have. We have 16 students here for I Am Sydney. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that are engaging in the esports industry. Um, it's, it's, this is the biggest. This is the biggest esports event of the Australian calendar year. So I know, and I know this is this isn't what you're looking for, but anecdotally, yes, it is. It is. Um, it is a positive for these students because they have engaged with QT esports and they now are engaging with the biggest the biggest calendar event of the year. So. I, I want to say yes, it is, but I don't have those statistics for you. Yeah, for sure. And I think there's there's definitely a lot of anecdotal evidence. And I guess part of it is I'm trying to play devil's advocate, as I do a lot of the time when you, my main thing is when, you know, you go to politicians and they say, okay, you know, show me the stats yeah. and show me the numbers. And that's an, just an unfortunate fact of that, you know, esports market being infant right now. There's a lot of positives and there's a lot of things we can show you and, and people we can get to talk to you that, you know, said things are amazing, but yeah, trying to fight against some of the misinformation that's around or or some of the biases and stuff as well. Yeah, I'm really interested to see some more studies. And that's not not something, you know, me five years ago would have ever thought would come out of my mouth because, you know, I didn't really care about any of that stuff. Esports was awesome. But now, you know, the position I'm in, yeah, it's becoming more of a more of a need than a want, I think. Yeah, I think I think positive impact for us, we, we do track it. Um, it it's we, we track different types of data. It's good to see the center. Once you have a center, in your university campus, mm. you have, I mean, most of us use Gigi Leap, so you can track who's using it every day, yeah. how many people are using it on day, on week, on year. We just have to wait for the full year to go past so we can see um, that year cycle of data. Um, right now, it's looking really positive. Um, researchers are coming in and using that data and, and doing tests on students. Hey, how long are you playing for? And does that negatively or positively impact um, you as a person? Um, after a full year, we'll see um, our students dropping out. Are students getting better grades? Are they getting worse grades? Um, and we, we take the, the survey seriously. Um, we, we do data collection because that's essentially how you keep getting more funding, right? Um, those are the questions that are going to be popping up one year, two year, three years time. So it's for us, it was the utmost importance to track that data from the get-go because at any moment in time I could get an email in my inbox hey Tim how many students are engaged are they having a good time where are your testimonials um, what studies have you done because University of Queensland they're a research intensive university they it's a numbers game that's all they care about so um, you have to have those stats on you you have to be the master of your stats um, and that's yeah the role Zach and I, um, I have uh, yeah I, I hate having to say wait um, like, like I'm, I'm, like I'm, I'm loving what I'm doing. It both, like, I'm loving seeing the esports industry grow in Australia the way, like, the way it is, and hopefully, it will keep keep growing. Um, and I'm loving what we're doing, like, what I get to do on campus as as my job because seeing seeing these students um, being engaged in the in this space that they love is is so is so um, is so motivating for for me. And I, I hate having to say. Like wait, wait, wait. Where like all of us have been looked to 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 tell you what's going on. Like how how is it? Um, how how can we how can we use this data to go forward next? But we we have to say wait for wait for the end of the year. Wait for the first set of students to go through. And I want to. I just want to go 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 go. Like this is mm-hmm. like we like I I have complete faith that that where that um. I can we can probably say what the research is going to say in three years just by being on the ground and feeling the community and feeling the the impact that the students that that the, the students that are here this weekend will come back and they'll they'll improve the community by by having that increased motivation to see where their end goal is in the Australian esports industry and and then being able to bring it back to campus and apply that to their work um, and we we can 
like we can say that yes it, it is a, it is an it is a positive for these students to be engaged on campus um and i i felt the, the i personally have felt the benefits of being engaged on an esports in an esports program on campus um and i i i want to just yeah skip forward a year and have that data because yeah it it it, it pains me every time we we say just yeah. wait yeah and i think we and i think we all do definitely yeah. and i think a lot of what i'm trying to get at with this with this podcast is ask when you know, is ask, okay, let's, mm. you know, instead of let's saying let's wait or it doesn't exist right now, yeah. when is it going to come and, yeah. and, you know, what needs to happen before that. But, you know, one one final question for you guys because um, we've been going for a while now to wrap up this podcast, Oceanic Challenger Series. So it's a it's a Riot Games-led you know, event. They're the publisher of League of Legends. It's uh, often seen as a feeder into the Oceanic Pro League. All three of you here have, you know, very significant involvement in it with your university clubs. Why? Why Why is OCS something that you pay so much attention to over anything else? Um, it, it was, it was essentially, um, an accident for us at the, at the start. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunate, not, not, not unfortunately, um, at, when, when Riot initially started to widen their, um, their, their pool of who they were looking to take Oceanic Challenger Series spots, um, we, we were, we just happened to, to be the, the, the people that, um, the, 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 on, the only ones that existed three years ago when, when um, we first started talking with Riot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we kind of fell into it in, in a way. Um, and now the, the other two universities that have joined and then um, with um, Order Academy, which is, yeah, um, sort of not, not a partnership. No, so they're not, they're not a franchise, but they're, they're feeding off another university. Mm-hmm. Um, the other two universities have earned it in that sense. Um, that they've they've gotten their spots because they're obviously very successful on on their respective campuses and the universities see their value and Riot Games sees how 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 positive they're making their campuses and has seen their pathways um, develop. But where yeah, so we 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 see it as uh, another development tool for students. So everyone in our team has to be a student. Um, and so we 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 made two we had two more students enrol at QUT after our trials to be to take part in this scholarship program. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the the big focus on our, for us is how in and we will see this throughout through our media releases is the the students um, gameplay almost comes secondary to their to their to their studies to their mental health to their physical health and then all of that combined will hopefully help their gameplay um, without without spending 16 hours on the PC each day. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's more of a development tool for us. And then hopefully these, our, our players will, will leave us next year and go play in the OPL um, and be picked up by, yeah, Chiefs, Order, and anyone, anyone that is on that higher end of the competitive sp- um, spectrum. Yeah, it, it's all about opening up more doors and opportunities for students. I mean... To be honest, we only really got involved because QT paved the way um, and got involved. And, and Riot Games, uh, it really started because the OPL, there's no relegation anymore. It's like a franchise, but not a franchise where you can't, even if you win the OCS, you, you don't get in. So uh, a problem for Riot was that a lot of uh, those independent orgs didn't see any value in being in the OCS anymore. So you, you had a big shift this year of four university teams coming through. And then obviously the OPL have to have their academy teams. And the only independent org now is Emprox. Mm. So, um, um, yeah, it, it's another opportunity for, for students. It's another opportunity for um, us to say, hey, esports industry, we're here. Um, this is what we're doing. So um, for us, yeah, it, it's a bit of all that. 
And I mean, like, for Murdoch, like, we're not directly involved with the OCS. Like, we've had one... We've had two players from our university playing the OCS previously. Mm-hmm. So we had Styled, who played for Order Academy last year. He now goes to Curtin. We had um, Bombers top laner last year, Sugoi, also play. Um, they passed through Murdoch Esports once upon a time. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, it's less about Murdoch Esports as a whole when you're talking about the OCS, and it's about the university, all universities around Australia. Like, I tweeted about this the other week um, when the Die Cubs announcement came out that their OPL team was a bit... About their OCS team, I was a bit disgruntled about it, and I said, "24 months down the line, I want the T. I want the at least League of Legends scene to look like Tier One. You've got the OPL, Tier Two, you've got the OPL academies, and Tier Three is that University Feeder League. I want Riot to expand the OUC. I feel like that is the next step in esports. Is it's not you're not looking towards, especially in Australia, you're not looking towards independent organisations holding teams and in tournaments, you're looking towards the universities and the high schools to have those development leagues, to have those feeders and to be a place to scout talent. And I feel like that's what OEC does well. I feel like there were definitely a few players who were scouted from OEC and Meta in high school. You look at Why Not Be Friends going to Gravitas Academy. You look at um, Guapi, their top laner, that was HCC Somnus. He was um, kind of immortalised in the Reddit post where he was playing from his hospital bed um, for Rangitoto College in um, in New Zealand. Yeah, right. And I feel like that that's what the university scene can provide is not necessarily a professional course, but it's a pathway and a development league to then be scouted for talent. And it's like the path to pro that Overwatch pushes so much. You go from open division and then you mm. then you go into contenders and all of a sudden Crusher 99 is playing on that hour stage in LA. Like, you know, that pathway is perfectly suited from high school to university mm-hmm. to professional. Yeah, fantastic. So with uh, Murdoch, what's coming up next and, and where can we follow yourself in your club online? Alrighty, so Murdoch coming up next is um, we've got, if you are based in WA, we have um, events running almost every week. Um, if you pop down to campus, like people will be there. Um, you can contact me or the club directly. Um, I'm Daviki underscore on Twitter. Um, also, the club is Murdoch Esports on Twitter. Um We've got, got Facebook pages and we've got a website as well. You can follow those links. Uh, what's next is uh, hopefully getting a, a spot on campus set up soon. We've been consulting with Murdoch Sports for about six months now. Um, getting that set up and um, finally integrating ourselves into our sports department. So, Tim, what's coming up next for UQU, mate? And where can we follow you online? Yeah, so you can follow me online uh, for UQU is at UQU Esports. Uh, myself at UQU underscore Tim. Um, and I'll shout out Zach Thomas as well. Uh, co-coordinator um, at UQ underscore Zach. It's pretty cute with the, the UQ names. But yeah, thanks, Chris. Yeah. And then QUT? Um, so for the remainder of this year, we're continuing to um, yeah run almost yeah one to two a week um, of social or, or on-campus competitive events. Mm-hmm. Um, the We're hoping that our students are going to pop up more and more in in all, all areas of the esports industry, um, and um, but and apart, and apart from that, we'll, we'll have a couple of um, a couple of uh, larger events that will pop up that show that like this is what the combined forces of all the different areas of QT esports um, can do um, because it, it's essentially yeah, a showcase of this is the student power that we that we have on campus. Um, so we're we're going we're yeah we're going to continue on our on our on our development 
on our development of our students and then um and then yeah hopefully there, there will be a qt student in every aspect of it, the esports industry in a couple of years um but yeah other than that um yeah qt sports on facebook twitter um and then um and then yeah hopefully any 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 prospective students in the brisbane area can say yeah come to any like this 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 two options on in brisbane to come and learn about the esports industry and get involved fantastic all right thanks for joining us today guys and uh thank you to listening into the big esports podcast this has been episode number 37 with the powerhouses of the australian university space you can head to big esports.gg forward slash 37 that's the numbers 37 for any of the show notes links or anything else that we've talked about today once again this has been another one of our series here live at iem sydney there'll be plenty more podcasts that come with local and international guests thanks for listening and bye for now Thanks for tuning into our podcast today. For show notes, relevant links, and upcoming projects, you can check us out online at bigesports.gg or follow us on our social medias at bigesports underscore gg. Today's podcast and all of season one and season two has been brought to you by our sponsor, PLE Computers.